Welcome to the Modern Miss Mason podcast. My name is Leah Bowden, longtime student of Charlotte Mason's work and practitioner of her methods. I'd love to help you find the fun and the freedom in her philosophy. Friends, today I have the privilege of introducing you to my new friend, Rochelle Braborina. Rochelle and I were supposed to meet in person this summer. Um, She was going to be over here on an incredible trip of a lifetime. Sorry, Rochelle, if you're listening and I'm rubbing this in, but she was supposed to be in Italy and England and uh, we have connected online and we were going to have a very uh, longed for cup of tea together um, in Hampshire. Um, But unfortunately, due to COVID-19, many of our trips haven't happened, have they, this year? So sadly, we didn't get to meet in person, uh, but joyfully, we did get to have this amazing conversation. Um, And to tell you the truth, I mean, you have heard the conversations I've had with so many of my friends on this podcast over the past 11 weeks and as soon as I got on the li- got online with Rochelle I felt like I, I'd known her for years. Uh, in fact we giggled, uh, we contended with wi-fi issues, a wandering wasp, a buzzing fly in my office, um, fending children away from doors and windows. None of that we have subjected you to because I did edit it all out. Uh, but um, you will you will hear the laughter. We are absolutely kindred spirits. And she is a fellow long-term um, student herself of Charlotte Mason and practitioner of her work. Uh, Rochelle lives in Massachusetts with her husband and two teenage boys. Her first, her eldest teenage boy has just graduated from homeschool, so congratulations uh, to your fabulous son and to you, wonderful parents. Uh, They have been homeschooled all the way through and uh, she has so much wisdom to share. And um, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go across to a few different places, three different places actually. First, I want you to go across to 2020 Press. I will link to all these in the details of the podcast. So 2020 Press, uh, there are some incredible things over there, um, including uh, Rochelle's uh, math resources. So there are books you can buy. Also her brush drawing course. And I'm sure there are many other things that I am not, uh, I'm forgetting to mention, but go over to 2020 Press. You can pause this podcast if you want and go over now and um, go over, stock up on the resources for the new school year because after this conversation, you will want to grab everything that Rochelle writes about and resources us with because it's amazing. Um, second thing I want you to do, I want you to go over to Charlotte Mason Poetry. It's a website. Um, Rochelle is part of a team that run that website. They also have a Instagram uh, page as well. And there she does mention it when she talks about the multiplication tables or the multiplication charts. There are free downloads, loads of articles, transcriptions of original uh, parents reviews, PNEU um, timetables 
and our, you know just just a wealth of resource over there and thirdly go across to Rochelle's Instagram page and give her a follow and just soak in the goodness over there um, as I said all these things will be linked in the details of this podcast so before we dive into this fabulous conversation and I leave you to soak in the goodness I have to remind you that this is episode 11 of season one of the Modern Miss Mason podcast and this is the last episode in this season we are wrapping up um, today for this season and I just want to say a huge thank you to all um, of you amazing listeners and those who are engaging sharing liking clicking on those five stars leaving reviews and posting about it on your Instagram pages it has been an absolute joy um, creating this content sharing it with the world and seeing how much you've enjoyed it but not just that how much it has enriched you in your motherhood in your homeschooling journey and hopefully added to um, the atmosphere of your home now don't despair at the end of the podcast I will be telling you what the plan is for the summer and then um, I promise we'll be back with season two in September but I have something creative uh, that's going to be going on over the summer also at the end of the podcast uh, we're going to be saying a quick happy birthday to the Charlotte Mason Unboxed course and my gift to you all will be a discount code. Um, so don't go anywhere, we'll wrap up the conversation and then hang around just for a moment for some last minute notices. From Home Education by Charlotte Mason. Of all his early studies, perhaps none is more important to the child as a means of education than that of arithmetic. That he should do sums is of comparatively small importance, but the use of those functions which summing calls into play is a great part of education, so much so that the advocates of mathematics and of language as instruments of education have until recently divided the field pretty equally between them. The practical value of arithmetic to persons in every class of life goes without remark, but the use of the study in practical life is the least of its uses. The chief value of arithmetic, like that of the higher mathematics, lies in the training it affords to the reasoning powers and in the habits of insight, readiness, accuracy, intellectual truthfulness it engenders. Well, Rochelle, it's so wonderful um, to have you on the podcast today. Um, I know that I, I did put out a few things on Instagram to see if anybody had any questions about, about maths and about the things that you uh, bring to the Charlotte Mason table, which is so many areas. But the, what I wanted to speak to you about today is not just um, kind of how you can help us with our understanding of Charlotte Mason and, and mathematics, but 
how you came to that point. So um, many people may have read in, in her first volume that she says of all his early studies, perhaps none is more important to the child as a means of education than that of arithmetic. So many people may be grimacing right now and thinking, no, <laughs> and it does seem to be often the subject that people are quite happy to delegate. They're quite happy to find a program or mm-hmm. a person. Um, can you, uh, I guess throughout this conversation, I would love you to woo us into that love of maths event. But can you start from the beginning? Where did your curiosity start? Where did okay. that start with, um, with this area of the Charlotte Mason philosophy? Sure, I'd love to. So, you know, just through all of the different subjects, the um, kind of the goals and the overarching philosophy and the underlying principles are so beautiful. And then, and when we're reading about what she has to say about arithmetic and about maths, it's also very beautiful and full of truth and absolutes and awe and joy and uh, and Irene Stevens, who who handled the math and the science for the Parents Union School, yes. even said, you know, um, she called mathematics ethereal as fairy. Okay. And I just I just love that. So how do we get kind of this mountain perspective in math? And and I would encourage everyone to, you know, to to really look at it closely because um, because the same relationship that our children develop with art and music and history, they can also develop that same relationship with math and the way that we develop our relationship with our own children um, by discovering these wonderful things together. It can be every bit as wonderful as sitting with tea and a read aloud or composer study. We can have that same relationship with our children as we sit with them. Um, in arithmetic or even in upper math lessons. The things that I brought in, I brought in simple math textbooks. And when I did my research with, with Charlotte Mason, I, I definitely was not thinking that we should use, again, uh, you know, when Charlotte Mason had her schools, when she was alive, it was before... Um, the British system, monetary system, was not decimalized yet. That's right, yeah. Right, and you yeah. weren't using the metric system um, no. then, then either. So it, it definitely, and the thing that I found in my research is that Charlotte Mason was using clear texts, but she was not, she was using them with her own methods. She was skipping all of the those pages of explanations that you'll find in textbooks even today, yeah. where where the textbook writer is explaining all the way how to do it, and then you memorize the rule, student, and then you work the problems, um, and then we go to the to the next concept. And so, interestingly enough, she would skip those pages of all of the explanation. Again, it follows all of her other. Um, principles and practices yeah. in that you don't tell the child exactly what to think. I mean, math is math. They have to have a certain, they need to know some terminology. So I'm not saying that you send them in a canoe without having a paddle. Sure. Um, right. So there are things they need to know, 
but it's quite simple to actually skip all of that front matter at the beginning of every concept and go straight to the interesting example problems. And from there, you know, see if your child can figure out how to work, how they would work this problem. Since math is like kind of the rungs on the ladder and you're going up a ladder, they have all of these steps ahead of them already. And so this next concept is just built upon this next step. Yeah. So, so because of the training in, in logical thinking that, that math gives, a lot of times if they have an interesting problem or a concrete object, I mean, if it's fractions, it could be as simple as a strip of paper for them to work with. Yes. They're able to figure it out. And then they're able to discover a rule on their own. So just like our, our, our child becomes what, another, um, another Newton when looking at a flower, yeah. our, our child becomes another Leibniz um, when, when looking at math problems because right. they're able to discover it. Doesn't, um, I mean, it doesn't mean that there are never different ways we have to approach problems, but I would say a good textbook that's simple, that I would say as long as it doesn't have a different underlying philosophy, like I wouldn't use, um, I wouldn't use a math textbook that is written with a certain educational philosophy other than Charlotte Mason, because the amount of dismantling that you would have to do in order to adapt it yeah, to your sure. lessons mm. is much different than just getting a simple textbook and using those interesting problems. Um, and then it's really, uh, you're using the same things that you used um, from the very beginning. So when, um, so this is definitely not something that Charlotte Mason had written, but I developed it from her writing just so that I could remember what I'm dealing with um, with my lessons for the week, even if it's, even if we're dealing with trigonometry or we'll, we're dealing with precalculus, it kind of follows the same. We've got our new, our new concept, our review, and then our oral or mental math. And so I always think of it as new review mental math too. And that just helps me That's remember great. because. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so we're working with our, and, and the amount of time we spend on each will be different each week. So we're working on a new concept, but even though Charlotte Mason, people call it mastery, uh, there's review. And in math, if you don't continue, I mean, reviewing really helps solidify yes. and it makes, makes things become a habit, right? A good habit so that if your student has learned their multiplication facts when they're younger, when they're dealing with complex math when they're older, they don't have to spend so much time, right. you know, thinking of those math facts because it's a habit and it comes to them. Right. right? And, so and that really, I mean, that whole system works alongside the whole philosophy of narration, which is, you know, short-term narration, okay. mid-term review, and then the examination process at the end, you just, it's a bringing back and a recalling, isn't it? Like, of, and which solidifies yes. that the, what the knowledge. So I love that. That's great. Can you give us a little bit of insight into your research process? I mean, obviously, this has been going on a long time. Um, we, we all have the books at our hand if we've got them. Um, but you must have 
delve further you must have gone into parents review and even I mean did you mm-hmm. how far did you go with your research because sure. if, if you're like me I end up down some interesting rabbit holes that I can't get out of for a long time <laughs> definitely <laughs> yes. so I do I love the so I started the research for my own for my oldest child because he he was what Charlotte Mason described as that um that uh, apt arithmetician who can get all of the answers correct but he doesn't know how he got there (laughs) and and so that was my child and very easy to homeschool I could have gone on you know I'm sure the whole way like this except I saw him losing his love of numbers even though he continued to get 100% on his interesting yeah so so from there I thought well you know Charlotte Mason is working great. I'm seeing, uh, you know, all of these goals by subject that I like to pull out the goals by each subject. And, and I think, okay, well, this is working. This is working. And if something's not working, I realize I haven't understood it yes. fully. It's, yeah. it's not the fault of Charlotte Mason. It's the fault no, of Rochelle. No, I'm the same. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So from there, um, so from there, I just, uh, I like to, I'll just, I'll give you all my secrets. All right, Leah. Bring them you're on. So, I want them so all. You're so easy to talk to. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so, so in her volumes at the, you know, at the end, there are all of these kind of chapter questions that were used for them for the mother's education course. Yes. And I found that those questions make fantastic outlines for research. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. So whenever I'm going to research anything, I start with the mother's education course questions. And that's the order that I that I do the research in. And because, you know, she doesn't have in comparison to other things that she talks about in her volumes, which but I do think since everything's so interwoven. Yes, it's it's uh when you have, that's why it's not so scary to learn her methods with math because they're so similar to her other methods yes. of teaching in, in other areas. Um, so I took out everything from her volumes, of course, but I also had to look at it as a whole, the, the entire volumes. It's like, um, as Irene Stevens talks about, if we're just, if we're, like we're laboring on certain little stitches and we never step back to see the whole tapestry. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, then we're yeah. missing a lot. And, so, I, and I often talk about the story arc of her life that you can't just take one part and think you've got it. You have to, yeah, read it all in context, don't you? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so from there I made, um, you know, back then, yes. <laughs> like, do we age ourselves? There weren't, um, the, there wasn't the digital collection, and so I made great friends with librarians um, with the National Library of Scotland. Oh, um, well done! I, things, <laughs> I had them pulling, and that was back with the Xerox copies that they were mailing me across the ocean. Wow. So I, I was gathering everything I could, and then I found um, Irene Stevens' um, paper, which was. Uh, her first paper that was written in 1911 for the National Board of Education. That was at Harvard University, and I got the okay to go into their educational archives, and I spent a lovely three days down there um, photographing everything that I could. And so... Is that paper paper online now for people to read if they wanted to? We do. We have... have, um, 
I believe all of Irene Stevens' papers now in Charlotte Mason, Mason Poetry. Perfect. I will, mm-hmm. I will link that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So those were, that's what, um, that was basically where I was going with all the parents review, um, anything I could get my hands on together, just so it wasn't going to be this, um, you know, what happens a lot is we, we take and we grasp hold of all of her philosophy, all of her wonderful methods and all of these amazing subjects. And then math just kind of sits like this piece from a different puzzle that never quite fits in. And so, um, you know, I just really endeavored to see how it was part of this beautiful tapestry. Amazing. And when did you, so your first book, how long ago did you write that? The blue, I'm trying to, it's blue, blue isn't it? (laughs) The blue book, yes. I think, (laughs) yes. (laughs) I don't know what to call it. (laughs) That was all my fault. I gave it this very esoteric title, I think. Um, (laughs) And it it was, I believe it came out in 2012. So that probably means I I wrote it in 2010 or 11. You know, with Publishing World, these things go into... Uh, it's like you know the publisher doesn't I'm not the only thing they're publishing so yeah it goes these into projects their, take they take years production schedule and through. yeah okay. so so mm-hmm. so uh 2012 and then uh-huh. you've just continued I guess in your are you do you find that you're discovering more and more or is this just kind of layering it in from you know knowledge up for parents to strengthen them mm-hmm isn't that so this is just part of when I wrote that blue book I I I was I knew because things would start to be digitized we could be finding out new things so I never ever I always you know like what Charlotte Mason said to her teaching students that would graduate then go into the field when they had questions she would send them to the principals so whenever I had a question, I always went to Charlotte Mason's principles. So everything in that blue book, I'm so happy to say stands, um, it has stood the test of time and, and it's, I haven't discovered yes. anything. I mean, I've discovered new quote unquote things, but nothing that has fallen out of the scope of that blue book. Um, so, <laughs> well done. Whew, that was a good, good job. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then definitely when Art Middlecoff came along, um, he kind of entered my life kind of sideways. And, um, and it was a good yes. because he's, he's very thorough. Um, and he took it upon himself. We weren't, uh, we weren't friends or anything like that. But I think he wondered if I you know, actually knew what I was talking about. And he, he found, he, he found out that, um, Irene Stevens seminal papers were actually in, still okay. in use in 1961. And so, so we know that we've, we've, and yes. as he puts it, absolutes haven't right. changed. People are still people. And so I cannot imagine that anything is going to be turned up that says, Oh, no, well, it's no, different, absolutely not. And I know, think if anything, I mean, thing. it seems that the, the, the more we dig out um, from the archives, as it were, that it just strengthens what's already there, which is exciting. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, and 
now I when we're not going to be able to get into this, but I you also have um, a course and you are uh, helping teach many mothers and children about brush drawing. Is there any connection between maths and brush drawing? Because I've seen you and your, your <laughs> steady hand and the kind of grids that you put that in. And I can't help but think it must support, the one must support the mm-hmm. other. There must be something going on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, so, you know, we know Charlotte Mason that she, she did yes. believe that small things could teach great. And so everything ends up right. um, with the science of relations that as the, as the child is relating to this and this and this, and he's relating to all of these things, um, and then they also are relating to each other, but not in an arbitrary kind of way that we make them fit, but they do relate to each other. Um, so, so handcraft, yes. um, yes. you know, paper sloid, carton folding, um, brush drawing, they, uh, for one thing to have a steady hand, um, is definitely going to help the child when they get into proof-based geometry and they aren't fumbling with their instruments. They understand how to, yeah. how to draw a straight line type of a thing, but, um, the grid system, it's not, uh, you know, the grids were really it. just it's to just, keep things I neat and orderly. We are. Yeah. I'm like, kids, look, watch this. It's so beautiful. Oh. <laughs> and, you, and you'll just be doing repeated marks <laughs> over and over. So that is like therapeutic. <laughs> It is. So that is like, I, I tell my kids, you know, if it weren't for a matter of practice, we would all be like <laughs> yes. on stage singing, we would all be actors, and we would all yeah. be professional sports players and musicians. Right. Um, but there's that thing called practice. It's like two, 2% talent yeah. and 98% practice. And so, so it's definitely, uh, it's a lot of practice. And, and I guess in relationship to math, though we just don't have busy work. We do have enough practice to where things yes. do become habit. What, what did I have two more things on maths? What did Charlotte? How can you? Um, many mm-hmm. parents are very big on the you know you, the, our children must know their times tables. What would you comment on that? And how would children? What's the best way to do that? Okay, I do. Yes. I do love the multiplication tables because they are different from anything I'd ever seen. Um, that I'd come across before the way that she she has them laid out. So they are actually, they use a lot of the same methods that she uses in picture study because there's this That's right. visualization method going on. So, yeah, so we're the, so first you're going to lead a child um, into how ma- how multiplication is kind of fast addition or it's, you know, it's a complement of addition. So once we lead them into that, then we show them um, yeah. why we use the word times. Because you say you have the number five so many times. And this is where usually in presentations we get the most light bulb moments with adults. Because times. they never knew why <laughs> wow. we say two times, times three. So, um, and then from there, when they are drawing their... Um, 
you know, there's that very, you know, like for me too, once I write something, it kind of helps me to have that, that process. It helps enter my brain somehow. So, so once they've made their multiplication tables, then they're going to, um, they're going to look at them for as long as they want. Just like in picture study, they look at that picture, that great work of art for a few minutes until they believe they have it in their mind's eye. So once a, a student has done that, then we, we might erase some parts of the multiplication table and let the child fill that back in. And then we have them um, saying the table out loud a few times, and then we're going to exercise them on it using a variety of questions from, you know, kind of fun questions to all the way to pure number type of a thing. And all the steps are laid out. Charlotte Mason Poetry on our math resources page I have an outline, so anyone can go there and for free, they can print that out and see exactly how to teach the, the multiplication no, tables. No, but that is that a wasn't gift. The question, That's amazing. Though. How long, how, how, oh, okay. <laughs> but how long does it take for a child to learn? Yes. And that is dependent on each child. But we have five minutes yeah. of oral table work every day while the student is learning their their tables so I would say I do have a dyslexic student and he took years um, to learn his math tables but I had so much faith in Charlotte Mason and I remember him coming home from scouts once and he was upset that everybody knew their multiplication tables but him and yes yes, I know it's one of those heart moments and um and I just said you know let's just how about if I promise with five, five minutes of mental math a day that you're going to get there? And he did. And he, he got there. That's and amazing. He, I mean, just he's, yeah. he's almost 16. And because of his dyslexia, we do five minutes twice yeah. a week. Of, we still do that because he's conceptually, he gets math concepts very quickly. But to keep those math facts, um, you know, on the tip of his tongue in a way um, that requires a little bit more but um, other students might only take a number but you have of to weeks work with your, ch- to with your particular facts. children don't you and just see what but I, I think that whole principle of just Definitely. The, the, the short amount of time over a consistent period and just encouraging along the way and yeah it, it does work and um, that's great and I'm sure people will go over to Charlotte Mason Poetry they'll be You'll be seeing tons of downloads, hopefully, <laughs> seeing people doing that. Um, I guess, oh, I I guess hope before so. <laughs> we um, ask you to talk about a little bit about the poem you've chosen for us, can you give some sort of leaving words of advice for mothers who are uh, really trying to grasp this for themselves before they, whilst teaching their children? Maybe they're feeling insecure about maths themselves they weren't very good at it where how can we help Mm -hmm. firstly I guess encourage them but what could they be reading how could they be learning themselves I mean Charlotte Mason encourages us consistently to be intellectually alive and I'm always on this podcast helping people to uh, you know read deeper and further even just a little bit a day Mm -hmm. just to help but how can how can we help them in this area Okay. Well, if they're open to the Lord, I would, I would tell them yeah. first of all to, to pray that the Lord, because the Lord wants us to know him and he loves to reveal himself to us. So 
I don't think it's too much if we know that we can ask for wisdom. Absolutely. He will not yeah. upbraid. He upbraideth us not. But that that is always my first go-to would be to ask him to reveal the beauty of math, reveal himself in math, because it is such a testament of his love toward us and the wonders of his creation. I mean, if, if, um, you know, Charlotte Mason tells us of where science does not teach a child to wonder and ad- admire. That's, I feel like um, with math being the language of the sciences, that math should, we should be able to wonder and admire with math as Me well. Too. So, um, so yes, first, thank you. So I definitely ask the Lord for that. Secondly, um, I mean, because math is so beautiful and wonderful everywhere, maybe what is it that, that you find beauty in? For me, I yes. love art and I love poetry. So why are, why are certain um, scans of poetry so beautiful to us? Why is a haiku? Why are certain, um, you know, I would maybe look at, look at the math involved in those certain things. I mean, how wonderful that we can, we know that in October, um, we can see shooting stars or a meteor shower. Um, you know, we yeah. know the dates 10 years in advance because of math. Um, we know E equals MC squared. It turned the world on its head and it's, it looks like such a simple um, equation. So there, there are loads yeah. of ways to, you know, um, that you could look at it that way. Um, yeah, I mean that's that, I don't know, yeah, is that that's what you're great. asking me, Leah. Just encouraging <laughs> to, I guess, if okay. if mothers want to educate themselves in this further, I mean, I will be pointing them to your resources and uh, the Charlotte Mason Poetry Math site because there's so much to read on there. And I think even if it's just a little bit a week, you know, just kind of the bits that I often think that the mm-hmm. the elements of of the philosophy that we may feel a little bit unknown in or just kind of lost in. It's just taking that little bit of time, just like we do with our children, short lessons, little bit a day, little bit a week. And actually and in notebooking along the way, oh, yeah, yes. I mean, I have, um, I think it's, you know, mm-hmm. if mothers could only do for their themselves, what they do for their children. And I think that's part of it, isn't it? Yes. Is how do we, how do our children learn them where, you know, we can do that the same um so i just yeah i mean thank you so much that is um uh, i know that's really a snapshot (laughs) of a conversation of this area but it's so helpful you've given us so much to think about uh so eloquently and so gently and i know i'm sure many people listening will be inspired to um just appreciate and love this more this this subject more but also to learn more about it but you are going to um we're going to uh, read us out with a beautiful poem can you tell us um about this poem and why you chose it okay well i chose emily dickinson because she is an amherst massachusetts native and since i I'm talking to you from Massachusetts. I thought it would be fun to bring a Massachusetts girl um, in to as a poem. And I love Emily Dickinson. I think that she um, she was an unusual poet for her time, and her poetry is still, I think, considered a bit unusual. She's so expressive. But I chose this particular poem because my own children 
we had read uh, Little Orphant Annie. Um, James Whitcomb Riley was the poet for the term, and they were absolutely terrified <laughs> oh. by that poem. And <laughs> I know it's so awful. And I, yes, I mean, that goes to show the power of poetry. But, <laughs> but my oldest child was just, he was mortified and he said that he didn't want to read oh, any wow. more poetry because it, it took him to that, that place. Um, and uh, I guess we could call that my fault. I didn't realize just the, how powerful that particular poem would yeah. have, you know, it used to be called the elf child. So, um, so anyhow, so I, I really was praying about it because they had loved poetry. And then I chose a poem that actually scared them and they didn't want to have anything to do with that type of emotion um, again. And Jane Yolen wrote a book called My Uncle Emily about Emily Dickinson. And it had just come out and I grabbed it from the library and Tell All the Truth was the poem and it was based on an idea of being tactful mm. when you're telling someone the truth and it was be it's a beautiful picture book um, and so I checked that out and I read it aloud to my boys and that was it they oh that's so good reignited <laughs> Yay! their we're all clapping. their passion for poetry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> redeemed um and we went to um we went to emily dickinson's house um a few years ago and you know i was oh, probably like sure. a kid in a candy shop <laughs> and 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 when it came time to um you know there we're on a tour and they oh, chose wow. me to recite a poem in in emily dickinson's parlor and i was I was just like the biggest, <laughs> dorkiest fangirl, and I did it. Tell All the Truth by Emily Dickinson. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies, too bright for our infirm delight, the truth's superb surprise. As lightning to the children eased with explanation kind, the truth must dazzle gradually, or every man be blind. I know. I know you're still full of maths questions for Rochelle. Well, here she is answering two or three questions from my Instagram post. So hopefully yours came up. Here we go. Rosalie Marvin asks how to bring some joy to learning math. 
The first thing that I would do is I would look at the three educational keys of atmosphere, discipline, and life that Miss Mason gave us if my child isn't enjoying their math lesson. So we'll talk about, um, Leah and I spoke quite a bit about the atmosphere of the math lesson. A large contribution um, toward the atmosphere is, of course, the parents' overall attitude. Um, is your math lesson a time of exploration? that leads to more and more discovery of the power of math? Or is it something that's just dreaded? Um, is, it, is the math lesson something that's merely gotten through? Um, when a parent comes up to me and says, my child is behind in math, then there could be fear emanating from the parent. And that can be a great discouragement to the child, and it's something that's really palpable in a math lesson. And that can often reveal itself through anger or frustration on the parent's part. And that can leave your child feeling bewildered, uh, defeated, or it can strip him of his confidence totally. So remember, um, keep the atmosphere healthy. Measure your child's progress against his own achievements rather than an arbitrary set of standards or other children. Check your own attitude toward math. Remember, Charlotte Mason tells us that every child can be taught to think mathematically to some degree when we approach the subject in a living way. Use a good variety of everyday objects. And be sure to put those objects away when they're no longer needed. We never want the atmosphere in our math lesson to be one of conflict or anxiety. Just remember, this is really an honor. You have an amazing opportunity to draw power out of your children, to excite their enthusiasm, and to allow them the time they need to wonder, play, and grapple with numbers. Next, let's look at discipline or the discipline of good habits. Charlotte Mason tells us in Volume 1, let his arithmetic lesson be to the child a daily exercise in clear thinking and rapid, careful execution, and his mental growth will be as obvious as the sprouting of seedlings in the spring. So some practical ways to go about that. Remember, we talked about having short and lively lessons. Um, we want to avoid mental fatigue by alternating the math lesson with subjects that use a different part of the brain or body. A variety of interesting oral questions given in a lively way can spark a child's imagination while promoting those habits that Charlotte tells us. She talks about habits of readiness, insight, and attention. Give a child uh, what Charlotte says, short sums in words rather than in figures, and that's going to excite enthusiasm and produce concentra concentrated attention and rapid work from Volume 1. In Charlotte's volume, Ourselves, Book 1, she tells us that we are so made that truth, absolute and certain truth, is a perfect joy to us, and that is the joy that mathematics afford. So is your math lesson, are you giving your child the time to actually explore and to wonder at the fact that 2 plus 2 will always make 4? Or are you rushing them through a lesson and not giving them time to kind of wonder and marvel? 
with Leah, we talked about the fact that we shouldn't allow sloppy work or give excessive explanations. And we can really drown a math lesson um, with over-explaining things. Um, we don't allow uh, our children to just be careless. So again, if your lessons are drawing out way too long, so those short, lively lessons, 20 minutes, only extending to 30 minutes even in high school. Uh, so, um, And if you see that you've totally lost your child, then cut the lesson short. Come back to it later after you've done things, other things in from your lessons. Again, what are you doing if a mistake does happen? So, I mean, mistakes are made, so your child might not be doing careless, sloppy work and still make a mistake. So there are those times when you realize that your child who you thought understood a math concept before moving forward has somehow gotten off track. So what should you do? Well, basically, it's the same thing you should do if you realize you've gotten off a mountain trail. You want to stop, stay calm, and retrace your steps, right? So Every step taken should be on firm ground. So just simply go back a few steps, find out where your student got off the path, then secure her understanding through various exercises before moving ahead on the right path. Then let's talk about that third educational key, which is life. Now Charlotte Mason tells us that every subject can be approached in a living way, so by every subject, we know that that includes all of the branches of maths as well. A living teaching of math should be direct and humble. It should open a world of beauty and truth for a child to explore. I would say that giving your child time to grapple, time to make his own discoveries, and that helping him over every difficulty will go a long way in your child experiencing life in a math lesson. There's a great documentary called God of Wonders that explores nature and how God speaks to us through math. And we're made in his image. We have the imagination and we have the imagination and ability to both explore and describe in mathematical terms the amazing world he's created. All knowledge including mathematics, are a measure of the thoughts of God. And every worthwhile idea and innovation is directly inspired by the Holy Spirit. So why is it that we can tell in advance when the sun will rise and when the sun will set? How do we know when the next meteor shower is or when we get to enjoy the awe of the next solar eclipse? We know these things because of the fixed laws of heaven and earth. And these laws are firm and steadfast, and they point us to our Creator. We can depend on those laws, and we can depend on Him. We can trust in those laws, and we can trust in Him. And this is why absolute truth is a joy to us. Charlotte Mason tells us that mathematics depend upon the teacher rather than upon the textbook, and few subjects are worse taught. But that's not where the quote ends. She goes on to say that few subjects are worse taught chiefly because teachers have seldom time to give the inspiring ideas 
what Coleridge calls the captain ideas, which should quicken the imagination. And I think that this is just one of the great advantages of being a home educator or a teacher in a Charlotte Mason school. And when we use Mason's Applied Philosophy, we have the time to give the inspiring ideas to our children, to let math speak for itself as well, to let math point to the creator of all things, and to quicken a child's mind with ideas. Um, one that Charlotte Mason brings up is that by simple arrangement of only 10 digits, we can express all the numbers we could ever name, even if we counted all day long for the rest of our lives. Well, this answer has gotten long, so I guess if, if my child is not experiencing joy in a math lesson, I would, again, I would just look to the three educational keys of atmosphere, discipline, and life and figure out why my child doesn't have the joy that Charlotte Mason tells us he will have. Veach asks, how to keep up math skills, mental maths, during a summer break when you want to pause from schooling but not lose the muscle memory and it be fun? Okay, great question. So, let's see. Well, the first thing that I do want to say is that we don't have to fear brain drain. Now, this is something, you know, Charlotte Mason schools had eight-week holidays and they weren't afraid of retrogression. Um, an article by J.S. Mills says that a break of eight weeks are sufficient for a student to forget only superficially the lessons of a term. So holidays were meant um, and are meant to be profitable and pleasurable. Having a break from school really does help make the time of formal education more enjoyable, just like the time of formal education makes holidays more enjoyable. So if you can use that time to, uh, for the child to develop their senses, observations, and experience of life, I think that you're going to be in a very good place. Um, but remember, if holidays are supposed to be profitable as well as pleasurable, then there are some things that they can be doing that really will support their math skills, uh, like learning a new handicraft or um, sewing, perhaps, building something, making maps, drawing things to scale, um, playtime, playing grocery store, toy shop, playing dominoes, cribbage, anything that requires um, counting or adding. You know, a lot of these things uh, have double and triple digit adding, like Monopoly or um, Rummy Cube, um, rolling the dice and either adding or multiplying, um, you know, those dice, um, measuring things building bookcases, learning a new sport, and how to keep score. So these are some of the ways. Of course, mental math is still fun. And so, you know, uh, while you're bouncing a basketball or on a walk or on a drive, you can be asking each other mental math questions. Um, gardening can use math skills. Um, counting anything out, counting rows, multiplying rows, and how many seeds are going to be planted. So these are just a few of the ways um, that can help, you know, continue to exercise the mental muscle. We kind of looked at this matter-of-factly in our home. My students' children knew that they 
We're going to have a review time at the beginning of every school year, and so it really wasn't a big deal. Um, and Charlotte's students always had a few weeks of review time at the beginning of their schools, school years as well. Sally Metcalf asks how to teach maths to multiple kids at different ages and stages. So I will admit that this is something that can take creativity uh, based on the size of your family. Traditionally, Charlotte Mason's schools taught Bible lessons first, and then they went straight into maths. So I would say that one, um, schedule your maths time with your children when they're at their freshest. And this can be at different times of the day, depending on the child. Then uh, the second thing that I would do with a large family, or at least I did actually ask my sister about this because she has five children and I only have two. So I asked her how she went about it. And she told me that they started with Bible and then she staggered their math lessons. So by staggered, her schedule looked almost like stair steps so that she was spending 10 to 15 minutes with each child working on the new concept. And then they would be doing review on their own. They might have their time of mental math all together. When she had preschoolers, she would schedule time with the older children to be with the younger children. She also told me that she had things for her youngest, her preschoolers, that were only allowed to be taken out during school time. And I remember that one of those things was Play-Doh. Play-Doh was a school time activity for the preschoolers. Um, you can also round robin questions. So if you have children that are close in, um, close in age or close in grade level, uh, they can be sitting together and you can ask a child one question while he or she writes the answer on the dry erase board or in the math notebook and then turn in and give your attention to the next child while your other child is working uh, some some written doing some written work right um, again it's really important as the parent educator that you're with your child introducing that new concept and then perhaps they can be doing some review on their own we have um, some math sentence cards and if you'd like to know how those are made on my Instagram highlights I share a video um, but you can make those math sentence cards yourself and those are great for a child to be doing something on their own when they need to if you need to attend to another child right and mental math can can also take place at a different time throughout the day and mental math is great fun for children of all ages so everyone can ask each other questions based on where they are and based on their abilities i hope that helps well wow what a way to wrap up this season um, I was so inspired after that conversation and even after editing it and listening to it again, I have kind of taken notes and I want to listen to it all over again. And uh, what a great time to listen to that kind of conversation. I don't know about you, but we're about to wrap up this term, take a long summer break 
where I get to plan and think and research and read more and uh, we are many many years into this journey and I am feeling more inspired than ever in so many different areas of the Charlotte Mason philosophy to really um, push out the boat try some different things with my younger children and I hope you'll do that with me well as promised I said that we would say a quick happy birthday feel free to sing um, I probably won't on the podcast, um, but a happy birthday to the Charlotte Mason Unbox course. It has been a year since we launched the course and what a year. Hundreds of you have joined me on the unboxing course, revealing more and more of the Charlotte Mason philosophy. This summer, we are going to be putting two more sections up there. Um, I won't tell you what those are. You'll have to find out. Um, but I'm excited to um, get those up on there. As you know, if you are signed up with the Charlotte Mason Box course, it is a membership for life and um, all the add-ons and the updates are free. So it's a one-time only purchase and I will just keep sharing my research and my findings and my practical uh, applications as I'm doing it with my family as well. Well, it is a birthday, so we should have gifts just like you bring cakes to the office while we do here in the UK. Uh, my cake to you is a 20% discount. Uh, now, this is limited in its time and it's limited in numbers. So you've got to get over there and grab it today. Um, the code to use is DEAL, D-E-A-L 20, D-E-A-L 20. Use that code on the checkout and uh, you'll get 20% off the current price of the Charlotte Mason and Box course. I hope lots of you make use of it and really get to do that over the summer. It's a perfect time to unbox the Charlotte Mason philosophy. And finally, yes, I have said the words. I thought we would wrap up season one with an epic episode, our longest one yet, but hasn't it been fantastic? Well, we are saying goodbye for this season, but let me tell you what we're going to do over the summer. As you have heard over the past 11 weeks, Every time a new guest has come on, I've asked them to bring a favourite poem of theirs and to record it to put at the end of each episode. I've collected all those poems up like a treasure trove, uh, a personal treasure trove from my friends. And I'm going to be releasing those poems again over the summer period. So your podcast um, thread, your podcast feed won't get lonely and wondering where Modern Miss Mason is. Every Monday you'll get to listen again to one of the poems recorded by one of the Modern Miss Mason guests. So welcome to a summer of poems. I hope uh, you'll enjoy that and maybe it will encourage you to pick up a few poetry books yourself and actually get into the practice of reading poetry for delight and enjoyment. We'll be back in September with season two. And don't forget, you can find me obviously over on Instagram. I'm not going anywhere definitely not traveling anywhere this summer. So come on over and um, keep up to date with what we're doing over at the Bowden House. But thank you again. It's been an amazing season. Thank you for listening to the Modern Miss Mason podcast. If you loved it, share it with a friend. 
and you can leave us a great review. And of course, we'll be back here next week. Before then, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram on Modern Miss Mason, or you can go over to my website on modernmissmason.com.